This is Dr. What, Dr. Where, Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to live, work and train in rural medicine across regional Victoria. This series, we're looking at some ways you can take your professional practice to a new level. No matter where your career is at, even if it's yet to begin, we'll be bringing you some valuable insights from a whole range of voices in regional medicine. Like this episode's guest, Dr. Katie Blunt. She was part of a team of junior doctors providing near-peer mentorship to final year medical students. Making the jump from medical school into your early years as a doctor can seem pretty daunting, and there's so many things to learn along the way. This near-peer program, supported by Monash Rural Health and the Northwest Regional Training Hub, helps with extra training, but also the sorts of unexpected things you'll learn or experience along your journey into rural medicine. So at the start of the year, a group of junior doctors got together and we thought about how we best could support the medical students based at Bendigo Health. Most of us had been here as students and so it was close to our hearts that we continue the successful education program they have going at the Bendigo Clinical School. And what we were thinking about is how we could best support these students with the transition to intern year. Intern year is quite a big step up in many ways. When I was doing some reading in the lead up to my presentation, I saw the transition from being a medical student to a doctor described as a wilderness experience. And I also saw it described as learning to manage ambiguity. And so both those things are something that aren't necessarily taught in the in the clinical teaching program. And, and we thought as near peers, it's something that, that we could potentially impart on the medical students. So it, it came from this idea of wanting to teach the students what we knew, which is not necessarily perfect, but it's we've survived and, and we've gone through. And so we wanted to give them uh, an approach to surviving themselves. And what was your experience like navigating that so-called wilderness heading from <laughs> medical school into internship? At the end of final year uh, of medical school, you're really excited. You feel like you've you've taken on as much as you can, but there is a leap. There's always going to be a leap. You go from being closely supervised to still being supervised, but having to make decisions. And those decisions, whilst they're small, feel monumental when you first start working. And you feel like you suddenly have people's lives in your hand, which again, you're being supervised, but that doesn't necessarily feel protective. And I started last year as an intern at Echuca Regional Health. Um, I was seconded there from Bendigo and Echuca is a smaller hospital than Bendigo. And so the number of senior doctors working around you is smaller. So I found it a particularly big jump from being a medical student, enjoying my summer after medical school, and then suddenly being, you know, at the, at the front line of um, the emergency department and having to deal with unwell people. So I thought it was a big jump. I think one of the things you mentioned um, in your presentation was a lot of the the clinical skills that you pick up in interning, it's quite hard to get a hold of while you're at medical school. So is that something that was a major focus of this program, helping not only transition medical students into the next stage of their training journey, but also get them used to clinical environments where they're dealing with real world medical problems? Absolutely. And it was about teaching the students that there's good times and bad times as well. In the clinical scenarios that you practice in medical school, 
there's always a, a good outcome, but that we, we know that that's not what happens in real life. So to address those things that you mentioned, when we were able to do the sessions in person, we spent a lot of time doing practical things. So for example, it's illegal for medical students to chart drugs in the clinical environment. But, you know, in a practice environment where we make sure it's clear that it's a practice environment, we were able to get students to write on practice drug charts or practice fluid charts. And their skills that if you don't learn, suddenly on day one of working, you need to be able to do them. And they, they feel like a much bigger task than they actually need to feel like if you're more prepared for them. The second part of making people feel ready was trying to get them to think about a decision-making algorithm that is more practical, that, that takes account of all the emotions you might be feeling in a stressful situation and how to navigate and, and survive those feelings. So a lot of our topics that we focused on were responding to clinical reviews and met calls in the workplace and how to approach those in a very basic way but in an efficient way as well. In medical school, you do go through a lot of those scenario type practices in, in an OSCE setting. The real world setting is much different. And so we tried to take that a, a more practical approach to those things. Part of that meant that our junior doctors that were teaching took the time to be vulnerable and show their own um, mistakes through those, that journey and shared what they could have done better. And I think when you share those mistakes, then people can reflect on how they could change their practice as well. How has this year gone with the cohort of medical students that you've been mentoring? So this year has gone really well. I thought we ran tutorial sessions throughout the clinical year and in the end ran 25 um, one-hour long tutorials across first and second semester. And it was delivered to a group of about 30 medical students. The attendance was variable and it, and it depended if it was in person or on Zoom and sometimes what the topic was. We had anywhere from 10 to 30 people attend these sessions. And overall, the feedback was really positive. So as part of my presentation at the Drivers 2021 conference, I looked at the, the feedback we received for this program and how we potentially could structure the program in the future to get more formal feedback. But looking at the feedback we got this year, I guess the, the regular attendance was a sign that people were benefiting from it. It was an optional part of the clinical program, but people were deciding to show up. And when they did show up, we were getting really, really great engagement from everyone that was there, not just, you know, a select few. We also got a lot of positive verbal feedback from these students as well. And uh, with support from Lisa Hall, who's a uh, lecturer at Monash University, we, we did a formal appraisal process of the, some of the sessions in the first semester, which really confirmed the idea that the students were finding the sessions practical, they were finding the sessions relevant, and they also were really enjoying the variation of having near-peer teachers and having a group of different junior doctors who all brought their own perspectives. The medical students have got a lot out of it but have you also found that you've received any kind of learnings or perhaps benefits of running this program absolutely and some of those motivations were probably there from the start but we until I sat down and thought about them I hadn't really identified them I guess one thing that's really important for us um, as junior doctors working in Bendigo who were trained in Bendigo is that when we're doing these programs, we're building relationships with people who we hope will be our future colleagues. In regional settings, that continuity of relationships 
between year levels is really important and creates quite a close-knit community. For many of us as well, um, presenting particular sub subjects allowed opportunity to review knowledge. And whilst we assigned the topics based on people's interest areas and strengths, sometimes there were things that no one was particularly confident in presenting and that required people to go back and review that knowledge. So that was um, a great opportunity to continue learning because in early doctor life, education in that formal sense sort of falls away as you're just in a bit of survival mode. I think as well, a lot of the people that were involved were inspired by their near peer teachers in the in previous years. And so them being involved in this is them starting to develop their interest and enjoyment in teaching. And hopefully that's something that will go continue throughout their career. And then I guess the final aspect is it's, you know, it's always of benefit when you're telling people how you're involved in the community to say that you've been involved in these teaching opportunities. What was involved in getting a program like this set up? We were really fortunate to have the support of Monash University with this. And as we were here, all the students, we knew the administration staff at Monash. This program was piloted a couple of years ago by Dr. Sam Kresser when he was an intern and we were final year students. And so we saw what had Sam had done, which had been essentially a very short version of this program. And we decided to adapt that to a year long program. The main things were getting a group of junior doctors together who were passionate about making this work, creating a framework of topics that we wanted to cover throughout the year. And that's something we did early in the year. We sat down and said, what do you need to know to be an intern? And then we outlined those topics and who was going to teach those topics. And then working with Monash University to make sure that we weren't clashing with their curriculum and we could time the classes well. So it wasn't hard to set up and being linked in with the university made it a lot easier. There's certainly ways you could make the program, create the program in a more formal way. But what we found was this allowed flexibility for us. It allowed flexibility for the students. And there wasn't too much pressure associated with it, which was important for the junior doctors that were involved. Along the way, with that sort of informal structure, were you able to be a bit more responsive to perhaps some of the specific concerns that students had getting into interning and you were able to sort of restructure things to address those? Absolutely. We defined the program early on as an adjunct program to the clinical teaching program. And we wanted to have that link, but we also wanted to be able to change it if we needed to. And that's every week we got feedback on the sessions and we got feedback on, you know, what do you feel like you need right now in, in whatever you're learning or whatever you're doing? One thing that we saw um, students particularly responding well to was introducing non-clinical teaching topics into the program. So things like CVs, interviews, we did some a finance session, mentoring. We incorporated those in and we brought those in at times where the students were requesting them. So, you know, as they were doing their job applications, we said, okay, well, let's scrap the clinical topic for next week. Let's talk non-clinical and how we can support you with that journey. So definitely having that flexibility was really important and having a small group of junior doctors involved allowed that flexibility as well, rather than having people locked in who, you know, were just doing one session. We, we only had that core group that could rotate quite easily. That's a pretty great framework for anyone looking at uh, getting a program like this set up. 
Are there any additional things that someone should be aware of if they're looking to get a program like this set up elsewhere in Victoria or perhaps more further afield? When I was reflecting on the program, I came across a formal framework by Maberv et al, who had created a framework for the creation of a teaching program for near peer education in the medical setting. Very specific. And it was a 12-step set of instructions on how to set up a program so that you cover everything off from the start. If we'd sat down and read through something like that early on, we might have done some things differently. I think some of the things we could have done better with this program is engage the students more in the creation of the program and said, what do you need from the start? As I said, we tried to um, respond to their feedback as we went along, but it's always useful to involve people from the start. I think it would have been beneficial for all of us to consistently collect feedback. We did a couple of different surveys and obviously got a lot of informal feedback, but to consistently collect formal feedback would help protect the longevity of the program a little bit more, I think, in that, you know, we know these sessions are high yield for the students. Do they want them again next year? And so that's something that if we'd incorporated earlier on may have been a little bit easier. And I encourage anyone setting up a program to think about how they're going to get feedback for that program. I also think we could have supported each other better uh, as teachers. So perhaps attending each other's session and giving feedback to each other on improving teaching because when people were teaching, they were teaching on their own. And so there was no colleague to colleague feedback on that teaching process. That wasn't essential because everyone had their own style and was still getting good feedback from the students. But it's something to think about if you're thinking about how you want to improve, if you want to improve your own teaching. And then formalising the program as well in that it was an informal program, although we were connected with the university, I think for the acknowledgement of our teachers and the time they put in, it would be good to have a formal recognition from the university as well. Looking into the future, is this something that you're going to continue participating in? Most of our group is staying around as junior doctors again next year in Bendigo. Can't get rid of us yet. So hopefully most of us will continue to be involved, but we also recognise that the benefit of it was as a near peer education program. So a couple of us are stepping up into registrar positions next year. And the further you get away from that sort of medical school, the greater the disconnect can become. And so we're mindful of that and hoping to bring in some more interns and HMO2s next year into the program so they can be involved in that, in that near peer teaching. So I imagine next year I'll be involved in more a supervisory role and perhaps teaching occasionally, but I, I would like to try and bring some of the younger doctors through as well. Thanks for listening. There will be a link to the study Dr. Blunt mentioned in the episode's show notes. And for more information about the study and training opportunities across regional Victoria, head to monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash rural dash health. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available which focus on a wide range of medical specialties and you can find them anywhere you find good podcasts. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country and to find where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes 
or search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.